Hey, well, welcome everybody to part three, which is the conclusion of our series that we're calling Done With That. Um, but we'll get into all of that in just a moment. But first, as always, I'd love to look into the camera and give a big shout out to everybody who's joining right now online, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or our online campus. However, whatever, whenever brought you to the moment, or maybe you're not even live and you'd like to watch it sometime during the week, um, we want you to know that we love you. And we're so grateful that you're along for the ride. How about a church family? Come on, would you welcome everybody online right now? Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Hey, a couple of quick things I wanna dive into um, before we get into the message. And I honestly just kinda wanna repeat a lot of the things that Pastor Julie just said, just so we're really clear of everything that's happening and going on around here at Trinity Church. But let me just tell you this, tonight, you don't wanna miss it, it's block party night. Um, can I get it, can I get, just? Well, after tonight, after you all come to this, you're gonna be cheering like crazy next fall when we announce another one. I'm telling you, it is just a fun night. There is no agenda. We're not gonna do any weird Christian things tonight, I promise you. Um, it is just come and hang out. Everything's free except the food that you want from the food truck vendors. But it's an incredible night. And you know, as our church continues to grow, and every week we're blown away by how many new people are coming in. And um, it's hard with multiple services to know everybody. And events like this, allow us to get to meet people, um, people you don't normally see. And so I would encourage you, be here, be here, be here, five to eight o'clock tonight on our campus. The Stanley Serrano Trio, the jazz band, will be back doing some music for us tonight. Um, we're just gonna have a lot of fun and I want you to be here. I'd love to meet you, love to shake your hand and hang out with you tonight. Um, and then also, I wanna highlight just another really important event. It is the Single Moms Oil Change, which is this coming Saturday, so six days from today. Um, I was told this morning, this is amazing, but we already have 61 single moms registered for this event. Isn't that awesome? And listen, we don't wanna turn anyone away. And so I'm gonna just make one final plea here, um, but if you're good with your hands, and you can take direction really, really well. Um, you can change tires, you can change oil. Um, there's opportunities, gentlemen, you're looking for a place, maybe, hey, I wanna start serving. Um, next Saturday would be a great place to kinda kick the tires, test the waters in serving around Trinity Church. N no, no obligation here. Um, we want you to want to do this. Um, and if that's something like, hey, I could do that, and maybe you can't give us the full day. Maybe you could give us just a couple hours. Um, as soon as the service is over, go right to the table, right in the main lobby there, and you'll see all the single moms oil change stuff, and just say, hey, I can, I can serve next Saturday. And again, we don't wanna turn any mother away. And if you know of a single mom in your neighborhood, at your kid's school, maybe somebody you work with that would really take advantage from this, again, we don't do any weird church things. It is just our opportunity to love on the single moms in our community. And by the way, Trinity, it's because of your amazing generosity that we're able to do events like this. And I'm so, so proud of you. Hey, real quick, um, this is um, coming up and I wanna put this on your calendar. I wanna let you know where we're going, but everybody, we're just a few weeks away from the greatest day in human history as we celebrate Easter. Are you excited about that? 
I, I want you to see kind of the graphic and everything that's gonna go around with that because you'll start seeing advertisement on all of our social media platforms. And when you see it, share it out. Tonight at the event, you're gonna see invite cards by the handfuls at every table. I would encourage you to grab stacks and stacks of invite cards and invite your neighbors, invite your friends to come to Easter at Trinity Church. And I wanna let you know of the three opportunities you have to invite them, but it's Easter weekend. We're gonna have a Saturday night service at five o'clock. Um, for all of you, maybe you're saying, hey, I would invite somebody, but they work on Sunday morning, great. Come on Saturday night, um, five o'clock. All of these are identical. Um, I promise you the same great music, um, the same teaching, it's all identical. And then Sunday morning, we'll have our two services, 9.30 and 11. And I tell you this like weeks in advance, so you can be praying about, hey, who, who should I be inviting um, this, this Easter? In, in the week leading up to Easter, which has been our tradition, and you'll hear more information about this, we will have a week of prayer where we'll open up our campus. We'll have sticky notes everywhere of the names of people that you're praying for who you know are far from God. And we will open up our campus and we will pray um, for those names specifically that God would do something really powerful in their life this Easter um, coming up in just four, four weeks. And so I tell you all of that, to be praying, just to know where we are. And then I wanna highlight something really, really exciting that's happening around here is our One Life movement. Everybody, this week, we started construction or demolition on some of our rooms as we remodel and upgrade all of our campus here. Now, it's really exciting. I tell you all of that because I just wanna say thank you. Parents today, you came to church and the check-in area was different and it may have taken you around a couple different weird hallways. By the way, we're gonna clear up all the weird dark hallways in this remodel. Um, and maybe you're like, where do my kids go? Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you for being patient with us. And more changes are coming, just so you know, as construction equipment comes on our campus. We'll keep you um, updated with all of that. But I just wanted to say thank you um, for your amazing generosity. I'll give you an update in the next couple of weeks of where we stand with all of this. Um, and it's beyond where we thought we would be, and not just that, but your generosity, just faithful generosity. We're above where we thought we would be already, just two and a half months in. Um, your giving to the Ukraine relief has been off the charts. I mean, you guys are just absolutely amazing. And then I wanna say one more thing. To you in the room that this remodel is, is upending some of the ministry that you've always known around Trinity Church, like maybe a classroom is changing and it's not gonna go back to how it was. And I just wanna tell you like, thank you. You giving up your class and a ministry that you've held onto for a really long time, like thank you for doing that. Because here's what you need to know, the church, it's not a class that we sit in. It's not even a building that we come to. The church is a movement that we get to be a part of to reach one more life for Jesus. Amen, Amen everybody. That's why we're doing this. So your generosity, everything that you're, I mean, I'm just blown. I am such a proud pastor. I tell this to Amanda, I pastor the greatest people in all of the world, and I'm thankful and excited to be on this journey with you. Okay, um, I'm done with all of that. Now get your sermon notes and let's be done with this series, done with that. Like what I did there, like we're gonna be done with, done with. 
that. We're going to escape the struggle of our old life. And let me just give props one more time to Pastor Bob Merritt for writing this incredible book entitled Done With That. Several years ago, I read this and I knew one day I'm going to teach through this book. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Bob and his incredible um, wisdom of how we escape the struggle of the old life. Because here's what's probably happened. If you haven't been around, let me bring you up to speed real quick. Is that you come to faith in Jesus I'm trusting Jesus with my heart and with my life, but we all still struggle with some things from our past, don't we? I'm right there with you. I still struggle. I still get angry. I still have some pride and selfishness. And, and this is how we've kind of been describing it, that there's this war going on. There's this tension between the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we know we don't want to live in the sinful nature, and we look at the list, the fruit of the Spirit, and we're like, oh my goodness, I can't do all of that. And then last week, Pastor Scott preached an incredible message about where we like to live is right here in the middle, don't we? We're not all the way here, but we're not all the way there, and we're stuck right here in, in the middle. And many of you can just relate to this because you're on this journey of getting rid of the old life and walking into the new life that God has for you. In fact, I love this quote, it's in this book, but Pastor Bob says, I'm learning, and I hope you are too, that the new life is not a destination. It's not a place where you get and say, hey, I'm finally here. No, 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 it's not a state of perfection either because that's unattainable for anyone this side of heaven. The new life is really less of one thing and it's more of another. In other words, what he's saying is you're never going to get to a place and you're going to say, woohoo, I'm here. I finally made it. You're never going to look at your spouse and say, you know, I think it's been like three or four years since I've sinned. I mean, I'm just that good. Like, we're, we're never going to get to that, to that place. What, what Pastor Bob is saying is you're going to get to a place where as you follow Jesus, that the old sinful nature, that's going to be a thing of your past. You may still struggle, but it's not going to dominate your life like it once did. And that following Jesus, that we're going to be able to see some fruit. Or there's going to be some more love and some more joy and some more patience and kindness. In other words, what he's saying is it's really less of one thing and it's more of another. Our theme verse in this series has been 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where the Apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And we all say amen to that, but the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. But that is the struggle. That if the new has come fully, then why do I still struggle with pride? Why do I still struggle with anger? We looked at this first couple of weeks ago, Ephesians chapter four, Paul says, put off your old self. Everybody say this with me. He says, put off your old self. One more time online, put off your old self. That belongs to the former manner of life. But again, that's the tension because it's so easy that we slip right back into the former way of thinking, our former friends, our former behavior, our formal, former unforgiveness. That belongs to the former manner of life. And then he says, and you got to put on the new, like that newness of life, the fruit of the spirit, put that on, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And last week, Romans chapter six, Pastor Scott gave us this verse. He writes that we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, so there's the henna clause, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. 
And that has been my prayer for each and every one of us in this series, is that we'd walk out of here and we would have the tools, we would know what to do to walk in the newness of life, that the old sinful nature would no longer dominate who we are. So in order for us to do this, today I'm gonna give you three very applicable steps, some shifts that we all need to make. These come right out of this book. Um, he has several, I picked my three favorite because I am the pastor and I get to preach today. So write some notes with me. Um, you're gonna want to take this. I think it's gonna be really helpful for you. But if we're to walk in the newness of life, like really walk in the newness of life, um, what shifts do we have to make? And here's the first thing, less of one thing, more of another, write it in your notes. There's less rebellion and there's more obedience. If we're gonna walk to the people that God has called us to be, there will be less rebellion in our life and there will be more obedience. Let me try to explain what rebellion is. Now rebellion is like, you know you shouldn't do something, but you do it anyway. Or you know you shouldn't do something, but you do it anyway. It's this, I know better, I'm gonna do my own thing. Let me, let me try to explain this even, even more. Re rebellion, um, this would be rebellion. Like you know that you should go home and spend time with your family after work, but instead you go out with your friends to the bar. That's rebellion. You know you shouldn't flirt with that married coworker, but you find every excuse to walk by their desk to make them laugh. That's rebellion. You know you should forgive, but Jared, you have no idea how hard and how mean they were. And, and Jared, yeah, I, I can't forgive. And you're gonna allow space. And now after some space, there's bitterness that's creeped in and no longer you're bitter. Now there's hostility and hostility is no longer a condition between you and the other person. Hostility is the condition of your soul. And you know that you should forgive, but I, I can't. You don't know what they've done to me. You know, that is, that is rebellion. Re rebellion is, yeah, I know I shouldn't pad the expense report, but this company has so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They're not gonna miss it at all. That is rebellion. We know we shouldn't do it, but we, but we do it anyway. I love this thought. Maybe you've never thought of it like this. But oftentimes our greatest vulnerability is connected to our greatest desire. This is where rebellion just kind of hits all of us at some level. Like, let me explain this. You, your greatest desire, and these are God-given desires. There's nothing wrong with these desires. Please don't walk out of here thinking I'm saying something I'm not. No, God gives us desires. And some of you, you want the desire, like you desire success. I just wanna be somebody. And your greatest vulnerability is you don't care how you treat people. You'll stab people in the back. You'll do whatever it takes to get ahead. Oftentimes your greatest vulnerability is connected to your desire. Some of you in the room, you're single and you desire to be married and that's a good desire and God's given you that desire. But because you desire it so much, this is your greatest vulnerability. And you're dating somebody that you know you shouldn't date and you're connecting in a relationship, you, you've lowered your standards because, well, I think this is love, and after all, I don't wanna be single much longer, so I'm willing to compromise because it's a desire and there's this vulnerability. That is what the Bible calls 
rebellion. And if we're gonna walk into the newness of life that God has for us, we, our life will be marked by less rebellion and more obedience. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter two. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Amen. So you, you're giving your life to Jesus, he's your Lord and your savior. Like there'll be some action behind that because obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And I think in the room, if you're God-fearing, you would say, yeah, I want to obey God. I mean, at least I hope you would, you would say that. But obeying God is just not a, a, a good idea or good intentions or I hope to do it or if I pray enough prayers, then I will have this obedience. No, 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 like obedience is action. It's not just good intention. It's just not, I'm trying hard. Like, there has to be some action behind it. Less rebellion more obedience. There'll be action that would define it. And then the very next verse, this is where it gets confusing. Paul says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Amen. So I read this and I got to be honest. I'm going to say, hold on a second, Paul. You said it was all about obedience. And now you come along and you say, well, it's actually, it's God working in you. So what is it, Paul? Is it obedience, my action, or is it God working in you? Are you ready for it? Here's the answer. It's yes. It's both. It is obedience, taking steps, following him. And it's also saying, God, I need you to change my desires. I don't want to be rebellious. I want to follow you. I want to, I want to follow your way. It is both. It is action. And it is a reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Less rebellion more obedience. Susie Larson, she writes some incredible devotionals and she wrote this, and this is my prayer for all of us today. And this is the prayer, she says, Lord, show me what masters me and slows me down. So go back to week one when you have to identify the signature sin. Or another way to answer it or answer that or ask that question today is, is what area of your life where you would say, yeah, that's where rebellion's taking control. So when you identify that, Lord, show me what masters me and slows me down. I love this. Help me to taste for, help me to lose my taste for that which weakens me. Like, I really want that. It tastes so good. It feels so good. She's saying, you got to pray that God, that you would weaken that and that I would acquire a taste for that which strengthens me. Meaning like, I don't really want that, but I know it's good for me. I, I wonder if you would pray a prayer like that today. If you're going to walk in the newness of life for all that God has for you, our life will be marked by less rebellion and we'll have more obedience. Amen. Pastor Bob in his book talks about a moment where he and his wife vacationed in a warm climate. And that night they accidentally left the slider door open and a bird got stuck in their condo, but the bird got stuck in between the sliding glass door and the blinds. It just seems to happen, right? Like that, and pum, pum, pum. He woke up in the middle of the night to this bird trying just to all of its strength, get out of the condo and just kept hitting the glass and hitting the glass and hitting the glass. And maybe you feel that way today. Right, there's some area of your life where you say, I'm never gonna do that again, but the next day you do it again and you just feel like you're hitting the glass. Maybe there's an addiction. And you woke up that morning, like, I'm never going back, but eight hours later, you're right back to it, hitting the glass. Maybe you lose your temper and you say really mean things. 
And after all the dust settles and you say, I'm never gonna do that again, but oh, the next time somebody crosses you, I mean, you fly off the handle and you're right back and you keep on hitting the glass. Bob says, it wasn't until I walked over and I cusped that little bird in my hands and I brought it out to the patio. Get the picture here? That, that maybe, just maybe, in this season of rebellion, maybe there's some constraints that need to be put on you. Maybe you finally need to call, call that counselor and get the help that you desperately need. Maybe there's an addiction and you need to go to rehab. Maybe you need to get some accountability around your life, get some good friends who can speak love and truth. You need to be put under constraints. Why, Bob says, I walked out to the patio. This bird had no idea what was happening, kept on banging into the glass, but walked out and I released the bird and now the bird is in freedom. And listen to me, I believe that's what God wants to do for some of you today. Amen. Your life is marked by constantly hitting the glass, rebellion after rebellion after rebellion after rebellion. And maybe in this season, God wants to bring you under some constraints so ultimately he can set you free and to walk in the newness that God has for you. If we're gonna walk in the newness of life, it will be less rebellion and it will be more steps of obedience. Here's number two, write it in your notes, uh, but there will be less selfishness and more sacrifice. Less selfishness and more sacrifice. Now I gotta be honest with you, at reading this book and studying this week, like this is the area where I struggle. It's never more clear than when Amanda and I are on a date night, and I don't know what it is about my wife, and maybe, gentlemen, you can relate to this, but there's not a meal that goes by, because when we go on date nights to a nice restaurant, I'm gonna order their signature dish. Like, like, what are you known for? Your best steak, like, let's, let's, it's a cheat meal, let's get after it. My wife is very disciplined. Every time we go out, no matter what restaurant it is, it is a salad with chicken or salmon. I mean, it's actually kind of nice because it's pretty inexpensive compared to my meals, but it's always chicken salad. And every time during dinner, she takes her fork and it comes over the table. And every time there is something that rises up in me and it is not the Holy Spirit, everybody. Like it is. <laughs> if you want it, you should have ordered it. Amen. I am so selfish when it comes to my food. Even this week, our youngest daughter, she turned seven and it was a crazy day with gymnastics and football and all the things we have going on. And, and so we said, all right, Gabby, you get to pick where we have dinner tonight. And I'm praying the whole time, please say Chick-fil-A, please say Chick-fil-A, please say Chick-fil-A. And she's like, daddy, I want Chick-fil-A. I may have manipulated that just a little bit, but like, Chick-fil-A. Now, if you need existence that there is a God, you need to look at the waffle fries, everybody. Like that is, if you're in the room or online and you're like, I don't know about God and all this, like I'm not gonna take you to proof of the resurrection. I'm not gonna take you to creation. I'm gonna take you to Chick-fil-A on a Monday and say, taste this. This is proof that there is a God who loves you. <laughs> Wednesday night, we're back home. 
And we order the food, we bring it home, and I, there I am eating my chicken sandwich and my waffle fries. And Amanda has a Cobb salad, of course, because that's what she does. But you know what she does? She looks at me and she says, hey, can I have a waffle fry? Now, any sane person, you know what I did? I looked down and I began to count how many I have left. One, two. And I didn't want to part with any of them. And we both have this love for the waffle fries that still have the skin on it. It's kind of like the butt of the, the fry. I did not offer her any, but she walks over and she takes all of the good waffle fries. And again, something is rising up in me. And, I, and Grayson looks at me and he's like, Daddy, are you going to be okay? I'm like, I don't know. I am so selfish when it comes to this. I, I, I wonder on a more serious note, like what are the areas of your life where you're really selfish? I mean, you, you know, it. I don't even, you don't even have to point it out. You, you just know. Maybe it's your schedule. Anytime something comes into your life that throws your schedule off, I mean, you just lose it because you're so selfish about your time. Maybe it's your money. Maybe there's a lot of greed around there and you've never learned the joy of giving money away and tithing and general, you've just, it's just controlling you and you're selfish. You, you know, as a follower of Jesus, you know what we're called to be like over and over again? Let me just give you some verses. Let this just rush over you today. Don't even study it, just, just hear it. Jesus says it this way, take up your cross and follow me. Now for us, we kind of think of, okay, Jesus on a cross, a gold chain around our neck. But when Jesus gives this information in first century, like people knew exactly what that meant that somebody was gonna carry a cross, walk up a hill and be crucified on it. And Jesus is calling his followers, and if you wanna be my follower, this is gonna be a mark of who you are. You're gonna sacrifice. You're not gonna be so selfish. Check, check this out. Uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're gonna study this in just a moment, but this is a mark of a follower of Jesus. Another place, Paul is talking to husbands of how to love their wives. And I know this isn't popular, dudes, but this is what we're called to be. Like, give yourself up as Christ gave himself up. Amen. This is a mark of a follower of Jesus. But isn't it true? Selfishness is all over our culture. Sacrifice is not. In fact, this week, I, you know the word um, selfie was the word of the year in 2014 in the Oxford Dictionary. It feels like that word's been around for a really long time, but it's not only eight years old. The average person in America is gonna live 27,000 days. I, I almost fell out of my chair. The average person today in America will take up to 25,000 selfies. And that still seems low to me. Like one for every day. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I'm in California at a pastor's retreat and we're getting um, some ice cream one night and there's a family over in the corner and I can tell they're on vacation because they're getting ice cream and the mom says, okay, everybody over here, say cheese, right? And she's trying to do a selfie and obviously the husband was blinking. We gotta delete that one. Right, everybody say cheese and a kid's looking off into the distance and well, we gotta delete that one. And she's getting frustrated and the kids are like, but my mint chocolate chip ice cream, it's dripping all over. And I'm there and I could have stepped in and helped, but I just wanted to see this unfold. And there she is it, after the fifth or sixth picture. You know what she says? Like, oh, just forget about it. It's no big deal. And, and we do that to our kids too. 
Hey, we have to document this trip. Everybody say cheese. I just have a feeling that 20 years from now, all the kids in America are gonna be laying on couches in therapist offices saying, my mom and dad made me say cheese. They made me take a picture here and take a picture there. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding, but here's what I know that our culture has become so self-absorbed. We are the center of our selfie. That there's a lot of self-love, but we're not really experiencing true love. And we've never really walked into what sacrifice is all about. It's all about us. We, we make career decisions about what's it best for me, not considering what any, it may affect anybody else. We are absorbed in our circle, and that's not the way of Jesus. In fact, I'll be so bold to say this, with everything that's happening in our world today, and the decline, the moral decline that's happening, I don't think what the world needs is another Facebook post and another tweet from a pastor and another sermon on this. What I actually think the world needs is Christians who will say, I'm not gonna be so self-absorbed. I'm gonna follow the way of Jesus. I'm gonna take up my cross. I'm gonna offer myself as a living sacrifice. I'm going to give up myself just the way that Christ gave up the, gave to the church. Like that's what this world needs, which is why Paul says, let's study this. I appeal to you, I beg of you the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That there's some things in you that are gonna have to die. Maybe your schedule needs to die. Maybe your finances need to die. I want you to ask the question, what in your life needs to die? If we're gonna walk in the newness of life, there will be less selfishness and there will be more sacrifice. If you're in the room and your marriage is struggling, what would it look like not to get your needs met, but to sacrifice for the needs of the other person? If your relationship with your kids, I mean, there's just struggle after struggle after struggle, what would it look like for you not to demand your own way, but to give? Paul says it this way, talking about love. Love does not demand its own way. I talked about sex a few weeks ago and talking back and forth with uh, a girl that was in this message and she says, hey, I'm in a relationship, but my boyfriend is pressuring me to have sex. I said, well, what is he saying? Well, it's because I love you. <laughs> love does not demand its own way. That's not love, that's selfishness. Well, if, if you would just serve my needs, that's not love, that's selfishness. Followers of Jesus, I need, you to, I need you to believe this in your heart, that if we're gonna walk in the newness of life, there will be less selfishness and there will be more sacrifice. Amen. Right. Sacrifice is not fun, but sacrifice is fulfilling. Yes. Sacrifice is not fun, but sacrifice is where you find your purpose it's where you discover joy and meaning in your life. Less selfishness, more sacrifice. Here's the third one, write it in your notes and then we're done, we're almost there. But there will be less obsession and more devotion. Less obsession and more devotion. 
Obsession simply means this, is where you think about something incessantly, like you can't get it out of your mind. And we're gonna refer to this as you think about the things of this world nonstop. Like it completely drives every decision, everything that you just are so consumed with the things of this world. What is that for you? Is it your business? Is it your finances? Is it your kids? Is it their sports teams? What drives? I mean, <laughs> you can just look at your calendar and look at the money you spend and you'll quickly be able to identify what you're obsessed about. We have an eight-year-old boy, he turns nine this week. And rightfully so, we can say he is obsessed with football. He plays tackle football in the fall. He's playing flag football now. He's obsessed with it. And, and not just like playing it, but he's obsessed with Madden. Any, any video game people in the room, like you love Madden, he loves, and we only let him play on the weekend because it would control <laughs> everything throughout the week. But there's not a day that goes by where that boy doesn't ask me, hey, daddy, when does the new Madden 2023 come out? I'm like, hey, son, it comes out in summer, like July and August. Okay, okay, okay. And he asks it every day. But daddy, is it time for pre-order yet? Can we pre-order it? I wanna be first in line for the PS4. Like, can we get Madden 2023? And I have to remind him, like, no, we're not gonna pre-order five months in advance for a video game. Like, no, we're not those people. And guess what I'm gonna be doing as soon as it's ready for pre-order, I'm gonna be pre-ordering it. He is obsessed with football. Is there anything in your life where you're just obsessed with it? Like, you know what it is. And here's the problem with obsession, is that when you're obsessed, it actually pushes out the voice of God in your life. When you're obsessed with the things of this world, it's really difficult to hear the nudge of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, which is why Bob tells us this all the time. He says, I, it's taken me a lifetime to wrap my head around this, but I've discovered that nothing can satisfy me or calm my spirit if God isn't at my soul's center. And some of you that lived a long time and you chased a lot of the things of the world, like you've come back to this and you can relate, yep, that is 100% true. And I'll be honest with you, this is something that I am still learning every day. With all of the ambition that's inside of me and all the things I wanna accomplish and I put it under the label, right? As I'm a pastor, I'm doing a lot of good things for the Lord. There's moments in my life where I become so obsessed with doing things for God that I totally miss what God wants to do in my life. less obsession and more devotion. Maybe you're in the room and you can relate to this. David says, for my soul is full of troubles. Anybody there today? Like, that just nails you like, yep, that's, that's me. And it probably goes back to one of these points. Maybe there's some selfishness. Maybe there's some rebellion. And you would just say, Jared, my soul is full of trouble. But look what he says just a couple of chapters earlier. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Here's what Bob's trying to make in this, in this book. Is that you're made up of three parts, your body, your soul, and your spirit. And just in your body, you can go days and even weeks without nourishment, without feeding it. But eventually what will happen is you will wither up and you will die. 
It's the same thing for your soul. And we oftentimes overlook it. And we get so enamored and so obsessed with the things of this world that we've never had this devotion, this time to allow the Holy Spirit to speak right into our soul. And I wonder today if you can make a commitment that says, I'm gonna be less obsessed with everything that I wanna accomplish and I'm gonna be more devoted. In fact, here's my last verse and then I'm done. Let heaven fill your thoughts. That's it, church. Turn your thoughts to heaven not on this earth. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. Less obsession, more devotion. Less selfless, selfishness, more sacrifice. Less rebellion and more obedience. Right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes all over the room, online. I'm gonna invite you to turn off every distraction. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us right now. And you're here on purpose today. God brought you here to hear this word. It's not an accident. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And today, some of you need to declare, God, less of this and more of that. Oh, come on, tell him that. Make the decision right now. God, less rebellion, more obedience. If that's the decision you need to make, make it right now. Don't let this hour pass. Less selfishness, tell them this, more sacrifice. And then just say, I'm not gonna obsess about the things of this world. I'm not going to allow that to control my mind. I wanna fill it with thoughts of heaven. The Holy Spirit, you see the hearts of your people today. People in this room, people online, they're making decisions right now to walk in the newness of life, to the life that you have for them. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? We hold nothing back from you. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, some of you are in the room and you would just be honest enough and you would say, Pastor Jared, um, man, I'm far from God. You, you've never in your life given God control of your heart. But today you know you need to that you're one sincere moment away from your life changing. And if you're in the room and you know you're far from God, would you pray this prayer right where you are? Just say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. Tell them that. But say, today, as simply as I know how, I give my life completely to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, for paying the price that I could never pay. And today I receive all of it. His forgiveness, His grace, and His mercy. Again, Holy Spirit, we thank you for those people who are praying that prayer today. Some are praying that prayer for the very first time. Others, it might be a recommitment prayer, Lord, but you know right where they are. And so today we say thank you. Thank you for saving people. Thank you for challenging us to walk in the newness of life, the life that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Say it with me, church. Amen. And amen. Hey, will you celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus in the room and online? Like, way to go. If you just prayed that prayer with me, take a moment and fill out the connection card that we've talked a lot about today. It's inside your worship guide, or if you're online, it's just a button right on top of my head. Just click it and just follow along. Just say, hey, today I'm giving my life to Jesus, or maybe it's a recommitment prayer. 
But wherever you are on the journey, um, it's the same hassle-free guarantee, which means we're not gonna come knocking on your door. We're not gonna show up at your house unannounced. We're simply gonna give you an email, giving you some clear next steps of your faith in Jesus. And talking about next steps around here, we have a thing we call the growth track. The growth track is a two-step process that will help you know God, find some friends, discover your purpose, so you can make a difference. Today is step one. So after the service is over, go right to the lobby. Our team, our host team, our staff will answer all the questions that you have. And today you can take your next step here at Trinity Church. I'll just say one more thing. Another great next step, which is actually the first step after giving your life to Jesus, is water baptism. Uh, Water baptism is the outward expression of the inward commitment. And today, after the 11 o'clock service, um, we have right now nine people that are publicly gonna declare their faith in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I'm so excited about that. And you're here and you came and you maybe just prayed that prayer. Like, what do I do now? Get, get water baptized. Um, or if you've made that decision and you kind of been on the fence, hey, this is, you're waiting for like a sign. This is your sign. Today, you can be water baptized. Why well, didn't bring anything? We have everything that you need. We have shorts, a shirt, hair dryer. We'll even have security hold your precious phone for the five seconds it takes me to dump you in. Like we have thought of everything You may have come here dry, but you can leave here wet. And today can be your day to be water baptized. So if that's you, right outside, it's actually outside, we have our team that will be there to answer all the questions that you have. And today, after the 11 o'clock service, uh, you can be water baptized. Hey church, before we send you out, uh, we are going to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? We serve a give first God. So we're gonna be a give first people. So however you give, the boxes in the back, online, in the mail, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to share an update with you um, of everything that's happening with One Life. Now, I'll tell you this one more thing. Um, We are in the demo phase. So rooms are closed and we're moving things around. In the next couple of weeks, you'll start seeing all the construction equipment showing up and we will do our very best to communicate to you ahead of time, um, especially parents, if that um, interrupts or disrupts where your kids go, we will do our very best to communicate with you each and every week so we can eliminate all of the distractions. Because this is still, even under construction, we believe um, that you'll be inviting your friends um, and this will be a safe place for you to do that. You'll never have to worry about those, those things. All right, I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet all over the room. I wanna pray a blessing over you as we dismiss you today. And if you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team will be down front. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. And if you're a guest, my wife and I will be down front for just a moment. We'd love to shake your hand, give you a fist bump and welcome you today to Trinity Church if we have not met you yet. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the amazing people of Trinity Church. Thank you for what you're doing in our heart and in our life. And we thank you today, God, for those who are publicly going to declare their faith in you. That's why we do it. That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we do what we do around here. So thank you for lives that have been changed um, by Jesus. And now I pray that we'll have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. See you tonight at the block party. Keep coming back. God bless you.